Welcome to the Athletes in the Arts podcast, hosted by Stephen Karajinas and Yasi Ansari. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Athletes in the Arts podcast. Along with Yasi Ansari, I'm Stephen Karajinas. We're back from a brief holiday hiatus to talk about performing arts medicine. So if you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and you'll get new episodes automatically delivered to you. We represent the Athletes in the Arts Coalition, so please go to www.athletesandthearts.com if you want more information on keeping performing artists healthy. All right, so today's show is really exciting because we get to talk about the dance form of breaking, or breakdancing if you're from the 80s like I am. Now, when I was in high school, breakdancing was the most exciting thing around. We saw videos of it, we see movies with Breaking and Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo and Beat Street. Breakdancing was everywhere. Then over the following years, the art form continued to evolve and grow as seen in movies like the Step Up series and shows like So You Think You Dance, taking its popularity to another level. Now, in the most literal example of athletes and the arts that I can think of, breaking has become an Olympic sport at the Paris 2024 Games. Yes, there will be a gold medalist in breaking at the 2024 Olympics. A truly amazing accomplishment. Now, if you ever watch breaking, you will quickly realize that breakers are athletes in the purest sense, with speed and strength, flexibility, stamina. The most competitive breakers are up there with the top athletes in any sport. And then factor in that they are also entertainers and performers who need creativity and stage presence and acting skills just to be successful. But the physicality of the dance form can take a toll. I mean, after all, this form started in the 70s in the streets with dancers performing on cardboard boxes on concrete. And if you check out the video links attached to this podcast, you'll see that breaking puts significant stress on the body. And that's putting it lightly. So we wanted to learn more about breaking, about the community, and its journey from the streets to the Olympic podium. So on our show today, we have three guests heavily involved in the breaking community. First, we have Aaron Engor, athletic trainer, strength and conditioning specialist, and CEO of Offset Med, who provides care and education for artist-athletes everywhere. We also have TJ Lee, occupational therapist and co-founder of Offset Med. Together, they have helped care for breakers all across the country. And our third guest is a giant himself in the breaking community, Morris Isby, better known as B-Boy Morris. He started dancing in 1999 and has been in movies like Step Up 3D, TV shows like So You Think You Can Dance, America's Got Talent, and has won over 120 competitions to date, including the 2021 Red Bull BC1 National Championship in Florida. He is now trained to be that first Olympian breaker in 2024. Morris, Aaron, TJ, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. First off, let's just find out a little bit more about what we've been doing with Offset Med, Aaron, and how you guys got started in the business. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us on the show. We're all like, super excited to be here. Um, Offset Med, honestly, it, it's been it's been quite a journey over the past couple of years because we got started like in 2019. It was a conversation between TJ and I. I was finishing up. Uh, my master's program in Ohio at the time, TJ was already out in California, uh, kind of doing his stuff with, with quest crew and, and his homies back at home. And, you know, we were like, Hey, we are trying to serve the same, uh, population of artist athletes. Um, you, you want to come back and just, let's try and do something. Cause if, if we don't, who will, right. Uh, so 
uh, we started showing up at, you know, competitions, um, jams, local ciphers, and that kind of bled into our work in 2020, where I felt like specifically in breaking the community saw that uh, they saw that there was a need. We were able to fill that need. And, you know, the more we kind of talked about getting healthcare providers um, and more education about how to do self-care and maintain your health in this sport, uh, you know, this, it caught the interest of a lot of, uh, a lot of breakers. So we just kept showing up and over time, we were able to develop a network of not just like breakers that, you know, we are friends with and get to know through, through showing up at these jams and ciphers, but uh, also a network of other healthcare professionals and fitness professionals that have a really true love um, and want to like give back to this, uh, this culture as well. So, you know, on, on top of that, like I, I kind of felt like, you know, that, that happened organically over time um just based on tj's and i's like background because I'm, I'm a past uh or st still dancer don't dance as much you know try to take class every once in a while um tj's been doing this much longer than i have um and so it's been it's been a fun ride so far so you're based in sacramento morris's yeah oh morris's got where yes i am okay so then where are you and tj at aaron Predominantly Los Angeles and Orange County. So we kind of make the commutes back and forth. So a lot of the competitions you work for, work with are like in California or are you, do you find yourself traveling all over the country or? Yeah, it's, I mean, it started mostly in Southern California. Um, and then as, as we've kind of gone along, we've gotten requests to, you know, show up at uh, different jams and comps like around the country. So you know, we we're we're, we're a small team. I, I don't think people realize that. <laughs> so we rely a lot on uh, volunteers and networks um, to help us out, especially when we can't travel or things are out of state um, and get people connected. So, yeah. So, are you guys seeing people in person right now? Um, are you guys seeing people virtually? Uh, it was a little bit of both at one point. <laughs> so um, now we're, we're starting to see people in person again. Um, but, you know, Morris is all the way in Sacramento. We have a couple of other athletes across the country that we do virtual consulting and coaching for. Um, and then we have our own kind of like client base uh, in person. That's awesome. So TJ, you also have a background in breaking? Uh, so I grew up dancing hip hop and breaking, uh, back in 2003, I got into a really big, bad car accident where I was paralyzed from the neck down. And I, they told me I wasn't getting anything back, but I slowly started to just luck and support and just a lot of different things that just kind of plugged in together and I was able to get back on my feet. I don't dance now, but my love for dancing and that's kind of my, my, my culture of things where I grew up in. So it's just kind of, I'm still around it. Uh, while I was growing up, I was just around the era of when YouTube started to blow up bigger and dancing, like a reemergence of it. So my connection to it was, was still there because those were my friends and my family. And it's, it's just like right time, right, uh, right timing. Cause uh, a lot of friends, they've gone the commercial success, internet success, kind of viral in terms of hip hop dancing, break, breaking 
and just across the creative platforms. And it's just, I just kept just being there myself and just like finding, just finding that they needed support. And before I even jumped into my healthcare background, it's just like things that I was always dealing with, with pain and just myself. And I was like, Hey, like, Hey, like just, I've been learning about my body and it's still a journey. So it's like, Hey, like you should try this. I've been doing this because they see the way I, I take care of myself or try to take care of myself. And then they're like, Oh, cool. Like, and it works. So that's, it kind of grew organically of my care. It was just uh, always in the beginning, it was just care, taking care of my friends. And as they went from just hobby sport to professional, I was just kind of all just supporting them and just there for them. Yeah, TJ's backstory is really unique. And I mean, he left out a lot of good, good nuggets of information in there. Uh, <laughs> for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. So Aaron, how did you and TJ uh, connect and, and get started? It's like, what was the stepping stone of that? Like what ignited that? It's a really funny story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a question. <laughs> were you guys dancing to each other? When no, you were- no. It was worse. Oh. It, was, it was social media drama. Um, no, no. So at the time, so California is one of the uh, few states left that does not have license licensure for athletic trainers. And at the time, um, our professional organization was trying to uh, advocate for a new bill proposal to be added on to the occupational therapy board. And you know, in both professional organizations, they're trying to promote their own agenda. And there was a social media post that was saying, that was from like a OT org that was saying like, you know, ATs don't know what they're doing um, and they shouldn't be on our board. And um, I had a friend of mine uh, at the time when I was in, in grad school, like post on this and, you know, everyone's all riled up trying to advocate for themselves. Like, no, we have all this degrees and we have all this experience. Um, and then TJ, you know, got caught up into it. Uh, and he was mm-hmm. like, you know, who the heck are you, man? Like, like get off my post. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pre, pre-wokeness, pre-wokeness of like, oh, we're, we're all on the same team, actually. But I kind of went on and the internet drama. And here comes Aaron saying, my bad. Like, I'm sorry. I was like, well, first of all, I don't know who you are. But both now I got two guys, ATs after me, not even in California. And I was like, what's going on? And then as I was like, just going through Aaron, both of their profiles, I saw that Aaron was a local he knew a lot of my local, uh, local friends and he was local uh, in the dance community. Now it's like, Hey, when you're, when you come back, let's have a one-on-one talk. Let's, let's, let's don't do Let's, let's don't, we shouldn't do this online. Like yeah. if you want to talk, let's talk in person. Yeah. And then we met over lunch and I'm like, Hey, we're kind of trying to do the same thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Mm-hmm. Huh? And then things got deeper and then, it was like, oh, we know the same people. Oh, we're from this. It's like different generations of the same community, and we're like, oh, not a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Talking face to face is a pretty novel concept these days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially like heated, heated debates like that. Yeah, I mean, right. that, that kind of shows you what kind of uh, character TJ was too, because he could have been like, you know, completely. Uh, 
non-accepting. And, and it was just one of those things where I'm like, our dance community is so small and like tight knit too. Like, um, it's really hard not to, not to know people and not know what's going on, um, in, in other circles. And so, you know, we both had a love for, for, for it. And then we're just trying to do our own part. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of, it's just kind of crazy. Like now that I think back and it's like, yeah, like, you know, we, we've been on other podcasts and other shows and one of the questions we get asked are like, so what's it like working in a interdisciplinary team? And I'm like, <laughs> it's just like working with another person, you know, they just happen yeah. to have a different um, specialty or background, but you know, we, we all share this like common um, understanding and like goal to, to help our, our friends and, and the breaking scene out. Well, we won't ask that question then. <laughs> what what I do want to share, though, I um, I did do some research on Offset Med before this podcast, and what I did notice was I love how diverse your community is and the group of practitioners working at Offset Med. I think that's um, a key aspect of any organization, and with the experiences that you both have had, um, both personally and professionally, I think it creates an awesome program for people who are coming in and, and TJ with your experience too, with how you overcame your own challenge. I, I feel like that is something when someone may be injured and they're coming to you and they're connecting with you, that gives them hope that they're able to recover too. Right. And they're able to, you know, overcome that challenge and get back into dancing in whatever capacity that might be. Yeah. I know. I know through my own experience going through all the healthcare, just all, everything within healthcare, it was different to, to kind of meet other meet practitioners and they haven't really gone through it. It didn't have like the same effect as like, Oh, I know what you're going to like. I really know what you're going through rather than like that. Usually talk like, Oh, this is, you know, I know what's going on. Like, you know, I feel you. It's like, um, yeah, thanks, but not really. Like, so when I do meet athletes or just like people going through it, they're like, Oh, okay. Like just me being there gives them a sense of like, Oh, it's going to get better. And that's, that's like the biggest thing that we're, even when we're present at an event, just any type of outing and like, oh, okay, cool. Like there's someone there for us, like truly there for us. And that's like the biggest thing we try to portray. 100%. And I'm a fellow dancer too. And I, I, I'm not, I don't do breaking. Um, but what I do do is I do ballet and I do jazz and I do Persian dancing and belly dancing. And something that I always notice is, if God forbid, like if, if something was injured, right, you know, dances in our bloodstream at this point, especially those who have done it for their whole lives, it's like part of our genetic code now. And I can't imagine what that might, what that experience looked like if you weren't able, or if you even had that thought that, can I get back to dance? Like, what is that going to look like? And what is that challenge going to look like moving forward? Yeah, I feel like, especially with like the the breakers too, um, they they will find a way. You know, even if no, if they feel like no one's on their side, <laughs> they'll they'll figure it out. Um, and I feel like Morris can attest to that too. I mean, even to this day, even though we exist, we still encounter breakers that you know we can offer help and service to, um, and they're like, you know, I'm good with what I got, um, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm just gonna work with what I got. 
Yeah. Um, so, so thanks. Uh, you know, I think everyone's like touch points with healthcare and like health in general is, is very different. And I think Morris is the exception to be honest, because he, he's like, he, he's, he's really taken it to like another level in terms of, um, you know, what he focuses on and how he trains. So that's a good question, Morris. So, um, you know, we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, all your accomplishments and your career a little bit, but do us a favor and at least take us a little bit through your career and like how breaking has evolved along with what you've done. So I started in 1999. Um, I started in high school, like most B-boys that I knew, you know, they had it at rallies and it was on TV and things like that. I think one of the first times I've seen it was like a music video with like the Beastie Boys and, um, what was it? It, it? it was an MTV music video, and I just remember Cujo being on there. But, um, I mean, long story short, uh, it was just something that helped me focus, something that gave me kind of a, a, a purpose. And it, it was a way that, you know, I, I, I honestly saw, like, myself being able to to grow and have, like, a career and wanted to take it to, a you know, a new level. Uh, now, pertaining to Offset Mid, um with everything, it's like, this is super new territory for all of us. Like most B-boys, um, there are some, but there, most of us, like we, we, we work around our injuries. We don't talk about it. Um, there's really no off season. It's just how many events there is going across the years. And we just plow through it. And, uh, we kind of set our own timelines of how long we dance. So it's kind of all over the place, but, uh, Yeah. So how much has the community grown from like when you started to like now? Because I mean, you can type your name into YouTube and see dozens and dozens of videos. And, you know, I watched with my kids shake it up on Disney and you're on there too years ago and, uh, you know, all over the place. But it seems now that with the momentum behind this, you know, this uh, community, that there's way more involvement in the breaking uh, world than ever before. So like how much, like give us an idea about how big the, the community is now. Okay, so like uh, I would probably say there's at least a million B boys, B girls combined all over the world. So like uh, timeline wise, like in the '80s, you know, it, it kind of hit it like a, a super high point um, in the world where it was you know very mainstream. And then it kind of slowly started dying out once it started getting into like the late '80s and the '90s, and that's when like more of the European B boys you know, kind of kept it going. And, uh, the more of the Asian people was at that point, like skyrocketed it, but it became like a worldwide commodity and kind of made its own, like a uh, subgenre of its own in hip hop, you know, cause it was one of the four elements. And now it's kind of ingrained in uh, like every, to be real, it's transitioning into kind of a college thing to where like most college students, they, you know, you go to dance, you pick hip hop or you go to ballet or things like that. Most college students get into breaking, and for us, like me, now it's like reached a point to where it's like, you know, on such a, a high level and becoming, you know, an Olympic sport, we're all like, you know, trading new land and, you know, making history right now. So it's huge. We're trying to get it back to the point where it's like just uh, common knowledge like it was back in the 80s. And we feel like this is that circle that's coming around like life. Right. And so even though certain colleges now have curriculum for dance majors in breaking hip hop. Okay. You mentioned the four parts of hip hop, the four like divisions. How's that all break down? No, as far as like- the four elements would be like, so we're going to say it's breaking. Right. Uh, it will be MC, graffiti, and then, uh, and DJ. Oh, got it. Okay. So those are the four elements of hip hop, but breaking would be like the official dance of hip hop. So everything like coming after, 
you know, like what you would say now would be uh, just tra- uh, trendy dances to hip hop music. Mm-hmm. Breaking would be the very first hip hop dance. And then our origins would be like, you know, funk and soul before that, because that predates, you know, hip hop. Gotcha. And then within breaking itself, are there, are there multiple divisions? Um, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, to get like into the thick of it, like we have our own little subdivisions of like uh, different styles within the dance. Right. Uh, but it's not too, too many. Like the biggest thing of getting into breaking is learning the vocabulary, uh, knowing the music. Like a TJ and Aaron said, it's just like the community, once you really get involved with it, it's actually pretty small. Uh, you know, we have our stars, we have like our, our terminologies, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's tons of people. You'd be surprised how many people break or have, you know, broken back in the day. So it's actually a huge community, but like when it in the know, it, it it's small. Everybody knows each other. We all communicate. How did you get into breaking, Morris? Um, so there was a guy in my city named Gerald and, uh, rest his soul. Um, he was in a, uh, a VHS at the time called Valley Year 98. Um, I was able to, you know, see this video. I got inspired. My sister used to hang out with the guy. I didn't even really know it was him. It's just like, oh, that's one of my older sister's friends. And, uh, kind of gave me the, the inspiration that I needed to know that somebody from my city doing something he loved was able to take it to that that level to go to Germany and battle and represent, you know, wow. the United States. Mm-hmm. So then since then I was like, yo, I can do this. I was cocky. There was somebody on the video who was like, not that good. And I was like, if this person made it to Germany, I can make it to Germany. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> like, literally I was like, all right, I just need to practice. And, uh, and since then it was just like, uh, just, it kept me focused. It kept me out of like, you know, uh, I'm, I live in Sacramento, California, I live in an urban area, I live in the mm-hmm. South. Mm-hmm. So just like when everybody else was like either, you know, going out and partying and doing everything, I was mm-hmm. in the hallways breaking, just yeah. dancing. And um, yeah, and, and just every opportunity I got, like uh, I just used it to dance, to go to different schools. I would battle the other kids there. Uh, when I started winning like local competitions, I would use that money then to fly to different cities. And then they happened to have a qualifier in 2005 called uh, Evolution. We won that, and we flew to what was it, Charles de Gaulle, which is Paris, and battled in something called Shells Battle Pro, and been traveling international ever since. Wow! And how do you feel like you've kept your body so strong after all this time of of dancing? Ooh, I'm the worst. Um, honestly, <laughs> you're doing something right because you're still going. Well, I feel like with every uh, like dance or sport, um, it's not so much as anything that you're going to do like specific, you know, like to to keep your body going. It's just keep following the same regimen as you would if you were like, you know, younger. The older we get, you know, we get more responsibilities. But as long as, you know, I try to keep my responsibility level low so I can still practice three or four times a week. I can work out the other two and then, you know, getting with offset med. And uh, uh, co- another coach of mine, recovery has to be like big because I'm 37 yeah. years old. So I'm like, you know, 19 and 20 year olds, they can bounce back. Uh, 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 not for me. So <laughs> like trying to keep that in uh, a balance, but also like the mental health aspect of it, trying to also have things that will help me detach from it. So I'll love it every time I come in. It's a big help. And uh, TJ and Aaron have helped me with that so much especially even at being at the event of centering, making sure, you know, I'm focused. It takes a lot of discipline to keep doing what you're doing and to, to stay on track. And, and when it comes to recovery, can you share what you do for recovery? 
So one of the biggest things that uh, that I've also been told is just sleep is huge. So like at these dance events, they can sometimes last from you like, get there at, like maybe 10, 11 a.m. Can end anywhere like midnight, one o'clock. So sleep is number one. Um, recovery wise, like I know what TJ has been specifically with me is just like making sure I'm taking vitamins. Aaron got me on, I believe what was it the born vitamins right now. Yes. Uh, making sure I have a schedule that's not just so like, um, let's say like weight based where I'm just lifting extreme amount of weights, making sure I'm stretching, making sure just, uh, my mobility is a a huge thing, making sure I'm not just going out of out there stiff. Cause sometimes that happens. I mean, in my youth, I would just jump up, no stretching and, uh, going to an event and I would be okay. But now they're making sure I'm taking the proper steps so I can last longer and I'm not stressing. Great. And are you fueling too? <laughs> in terms of oh. nutrition? I, I have to throw in the sports nutrition question. So are you, <laughs> how are you fueling? <laughs> how am I feeling about the nutrition fueling. side of fueling? Fueling. Oh, fueling. Yes. Oh, okay. So that's like the next phase. <laughs> you, just, you just hit his Achilles heel right there. Uh oh. I'm, I'm, I'm the worst one you want to talk to about that. Um, but, um, yeah, like they, they've talked to me about it and uh, it, I've been seeing, you know, good results from it. You know, I, I'm very in tune to how my body feels, but also, you know, I'm stubborn because most of my career I was off doing this on my own. Like right, most right. breakers don't have trainers. We, ha- right. we, we have mentors and other people who, you know, dance before us. Like most dance, you know, has somebody who's been in the game for a long time. Right. But this is why I'm saying we're kind of like making history here. It's like, and we're, we're, we're just getting rule books for the, you know, the USA Olympic team, you know, we're getting coaches, we're getting trainers, like this is all new territory. So like, even I know I've run into a couple of hurdles where Aaron and them are like, where are you? <laughs> Why are you not getting in contact with us at times? You know, cause I'm so used to, you know, heading in myself and then I have to realize they're giving me the tools I need to be successful. You know, and I, I try to advise other dancers of that, too. Like we have to make sure. We're, but we're also even though we're sports athletes, we're also artists and artists have a hard time communicating. Most of the time we communicate it mostly with our dance. If you're a dancer mm-hmm. nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. And you teach, too, right? You 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 teach breaking. Yeah, I do private. So like uh, like I'll, I'll, I do every now and then like workshops. But uh, mostly now I try to do privates because I, I tend to want people to get a little bit more out of what I'm trying to teach. Right. Like I hate like kind of the general. Yeah. And I think it's it's great for your students to be able to look up to you too. You have so much, like even I think being 37 and you're still dancing and you're doing it well and you're headed to the Olympics. I think it's so great for the people that you are training to be able to see that and look up to that and to know that it is possible for them too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just want my, my story is really just to show people you can dance pretty much as long as you want to. Mm-hmm. It just you, you're going to have to sacrifice something one way or another in life, whether it's time or something you just enjoy. You just got to make sure it's worth it. And I figure like this is the Olympics. Why would I not try? You know, right. like, yeah, I'm older. Yeah, it takes a little bit more toll on my body, but I love what I do. And um, I'm willing to make that sacrifice of, you know, rest. <laughs> you know, walking straight, <laughs> things like that. 
Now, not a lot of folks are really uh, aware that breaking is going to be an Olympic sport in a few years here. So can you talk a little bit about the journey that it took to get to this point now as like, how does the process work to make this a an Olympic sport? So there was a, uh, an organization called Silverback Events that were really working with the, the IOC and trying to get them to really take notice because uh, we wanted the breaking uh, with breaking to be in the Olympics because how tolling uh, it is on the body and how much dedication it takes to you know be actually one of the good athletes. So um, they actually had the Youth Olympics, I believe, what was that, in 2018? And it actually, like, you know, it got really good numbers. Everybody enjoyed the event. It actually got the most exposure in, I believe, it was Buenos Aires. So what, that kind of kicked it off to where, you know, the IOC was like, okay, we want to see what the adults can do. So now the process is we're, we're getting our first trial run in 2024, so all the countries are now building federations and building, like I said, rule books, regulations. And we, like I said, we've had competitions probably for well over, I don't know, since the early 80s. But every, you know, every so often the competitions reach a, a higher level, a higher uh, stage, uh, more professionalism. So right now we're, like I said, making history by taking it to the highest form, which is the Olympics. And um, it's still a process. Right now we're, we're making sure we have regionals. And uh, there's an organization called WDSF that's also assisting in this, making sure we're following the guidelines as every other dance sport that's out there. And there'll be like Olympic trials held beforehand, or is it more giving you a cumulative uh, of points, accumulation of points? Or how are they going to decide the team? So right now, honestly, it's, it's still up in the air, but, uh, like it's not, we haven't had, we don't have a a team USA, the official one until 2023. So they're going to have trials. I believe we're going to have seven trials this year before nationals and the nationals will, you know, uh, break it off into a top 16. And then whoever wins will be the one person that gets to go, uh, male and female on both sides. One each. One each. That's it. Wow. So then it'll be the the two that go, the male and female, and then the backups in case something happens, you know, right. if they're there. And so it's like really, it's going to be a tight fit this year and next year for all the qualifiers. And I think they're having another WDSF event that's happening in Birmingham in July. I think it's July 10th. I should be there. Um, I Everybody should go because, you know, we're trying to make sure everybody gets involved and is a part of this. And that's one way people can help out is showing up to the event if it's open, you know, um, considering the pandemic. Uh, right. But, yeah, it, it's everything's taken off and the ball is already rolling. Aaron, TJ, do you guys have any involvement in this? We have been supporting the, the WDSF and our local region, and we make sure we are safe, sport certified. And we are we are not a uh, part part of them uh, officially, but we're like uh, what's it the edge adjudicator 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 yes mm-hmm. we're basically like an affiliate for them so we're there in full support because I know there's a lot of things officially that need to go on and then at least on our on our end with the health we could get plugged in very easily that we we figured out that it's yeah we don't want to mess up what they're going through as we're going th- on this path because on the health stuff we're there to support the athletes and that's that's easier yeah easier said than done but you know it's kind of a, 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 we're there if, if they need us because we do have like aaron with the knowledge of what goes on ncaa division one olympics but 
it's it's all it's all on the supporting on the supporting side. Is that correct, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing is that, especially when you're preparing for the Olympics, the IOC does not allocate budgeting equally. <laughs> so, <Nope. laughs> um, you know, breaking will always be like this kind of grassroots. Um, let's summon our community and, and get everyone on the same page. So, you know, the best way that we can support this, uh, I guess, new sport in their eyes is to get funding, sponsorship, at- attention and exposure and show that there's like a real, um, real appetite for people that want to see this and want to continue to see this. Um, and that means like getting more members uh, to sign up for like, you know, Dance USA, Breaking for Gold um, memberships. That means getting people to attend and talk and, and share about, you know, what's going to happen at the World Urban Games this year in, in Alabama and Birmingham and supporting those uh, breakers that are going to be like duking it out for that one spot. Um, and like really just creating this. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, Morris mentioned it before, too, is like, yeah, this is not new for them. They're used to like competing um, and like uh, just like developing their their own ranking and names for themselves in in this in this like breaking uh, art form. But when it has like now making this transition, um, you know, I think it puts a lot of unique stress on breakers that are not used to making this like next professional jump, whether it is with like, um, you know, WADA and sport testing, whether it is, um, understanding yourself as a, as a brand, as a, as an individual artist and how you create attention about yourself. Um, and they, I mean, and sponsorships as well, like how you're going to fund yourself to go to all these competitions and, um, and also, your team to support you because there's they don't get stipends all the time they don't get like a massive budget to do all these things so it's still coming off on their own time and their own dime yeah that's one of the most under overlooked aspects of olympic competition is just getting to the olympics financially um there isn't money that our government allots for people like that so um, so Morris, how do you take this kind of, um, like, how do you break this art form down when you're training for it? Because we see, you know, you see this like minute, and a half, two minutes competition and, you know, dozens and dozens of moves, you know, linked together. But like when you're trying, let's say when you're trying to train someone to, uh, do a, a, a certain new move, like, are you breaking it down? Like, like piece by piece, like beat by beat, or are you breaking it down from like movements? Or like, are you trying to build up certain uh, functional movements to help create the actual uh, overall dance movement? How does it all break down for you? So how do I break down movements if I'm trying to teach somebody? The first thing I would always say is like, uh, uh, it's break dancing. So dancing is the the first aspect. So like I always, I guess you would go with the why. And um, so like if I were to teach you, I would be like, okay, so what are you trying to express when you're trying to do a round? And, and for me, you have to be able to translate the sound that's coming out, you know, like, uh, whatever the DJ is playing. And then next to that, then if you're not trying to translate the the sound of the music, the difficulty, uh, but what are you trying to express? That's normally number one. But, uh, this first thing I would teach people is just how to be on beat. Uh, next thing would be fitness. Uh, you have, there is a level of athleticism that comes with this. 
and then learn our foundation and movement. So then we, we have to go over that type of vocabulary, you know, learning these things, knowing what it's called, why we do it and uh, what helps you. It'll help you catch certain uh, snares and sounds of the music. And um, and then afterwards, like adding in your own personality, because depending on, you know, the artist is going to be there are guys who are just like, you know, more machine like and they just learn every move and they just go step by step by step. And then there are guys like me with that. I'm trying to make a moment when I'm out there. And sometimes I don't care how it looks. I just want to make somebody feel something. And yeah, it just depends on the person, too, because I, I train. I would train definitely Aaron differently than I would train TJ, like because their personalities are going to reflect. But I'd give them the same vocabulary, but I would definitely have them translate different differently than each other because their characters are different. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Then how do you take it higher then? So like when you, when, because one of the biggest problems we see in dance, for instance, when it comes to choreographers and performers and trying to prevent injuries is learning how far you can push people, push the human body to do certain things. So, I mean, some of the things that I watch you guys do are just like gravity defying, you know, beyond most laws of physics. So, um, but how do you push that boundary without hurting yourself? Um, oh, we hurt ourselves quite often. So let's get that out of here. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Like, um, for us, it's just, and that was one of the things, like, um, you got to keep that creativity that, uh, when you're, especially in breaking, because like, you know, like you said, you were with Run DMC, you know, at the concert back in the day, they had B-boys and stuff doing things back then. So when I started breaking, I was seeing guys doing spins like four to five times and like, yo, it's amazing. I'll never be able to do it until, you know, I actually tried and was like, well, let's see if I could take it a step further. And, but you have to have that belief that you can. And that also comes into your personal style. Like what can I add to, you know, the art form and that will help you take it further. Like one of the biggest things I think with any type of uh, artistry or even dance is you want to leave, be able to leave your mark. And for us is like for my generation, because like I started in the 90s, it was kind of coming up with your own, you know, movement to add to everything. So when you would like, you know, be done with dance there, you would normally name the move after yourself or name it something. And it would go on, you know, from years and years and years. And then the kids just keep building on it. And that's how you it keeps leveling up. So like there's a guy named Pocket, like he's a friend of mine. The guy's arms is massive. Like he's huge. So he can fly and throw himself. But 15 years ago, they were doing it maybe three times, four times, five times. And the crowd would go nuts. This dude was doing it like 20, 30 times, like nothing. So, and literally what I mean, like he's throwing his body like this over and over and over on his hands. And it's nothing to him. It's, it's his arms are like his legs. So like every generation is going to see what we've done and then build from there. But also, Marsha, because I grew up in the, in the 90s breaking, too, uh, learning from then to now has also been different because, uh, you know, the Internet. Oh, yeah. Back then, it was like, oh, it's like kind of you just hear stories. You got to get that VHS tape. You got to be at the event or it's like your mentor. But once, you know, YouTube, social media came on, like, oh, you could do it like that. Oh, let me try it like this, too. Like, you know, it's kind of pushing yourself. Like what more says, like, oh. I know it could be done. Let me do it now. It's just an idea, but that kind of helped push the limits of what the breakers can do. Oh, yeah. So, Morris, were you observing 
movements when you were growing up and you were first getting into breaking or uh, did you have someone that taught you how how did it all get started like I know that you were inspired to start it but were you observing what was going on and and trying things on your own I was like TJ, like TJ said, I got a VHS Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to my parents' living room and just started tearing stuff up. I remember they had an editor. I, I did a spin and a flip, broke all the glass. And they were like, you practice it in the garage from now on, my man. I was like, all right. But um, like my generation, uh, we will watch videos kind of to get us the, the standard of movement. And then what it would be like would be, how can I do that type of movement, but in my own way? So we wouldn't take yeah. that artist's like movement style, if you will. And this generation now is like what TJ's saying. Like when YouTube came in, everybody's like, oh, I just want to see if I can do that. And then they just do it on a more massive level. They find all the, the, the best guys and they try to ball them into one person mentally or ball her into one person. And they just do all their moves and that's where they start. And then they, once they start finding themselves, they grow from that point. And that's how every generation has been getting better. Like it just changes. Go ahead, TJ. Uh, a good thing. Uh... A thing that breaking heads, which is really like really useful and really like not not a lot of different sports has, is that we still have access to our founders that created breaking, and that's mm-hmm. and just being able to reach out to them. That's been really beneficial and like the growth, especially with uh, with the new generation coming out. That I don't think of it. I know of any other sports or anything like that where we could reach out to the people that created it that were there that makes it push the culture so much so much more forward than other things so that's like a blessing blessing in disguise uh in in the in the community when i see it that even at the events like we could be standing next to a person that created a certain move but it's like it's up to us to be like oh if we know it like do we know our history do we just know just the move itself yeah so that's been a big thing because even i fanboy all the time when i see it's like oh he's right there well, that's, that's such a cool thing. <laughs> now, I was just going to add that, um, you know, I feel like the conversations that, you know, TJ, myself, Morris have, they're definitely like a higher level. Um, and we still work with breakers that are, are novice and, and maybe trying to, to get to that next level. And so the, the common things that, you know, or questions that we hear from them is like, you know, it, how do I get X, Y stronger so I can do X move? And they're not really concerned yet about putting their own like artistry or spin on it yet. Um, and, and the hardest thing about those types of questions is that, you know, I mean, Morris pointed out, it's like there, there are different ways to go about doing breaking and you can either like push through an obstacle and like, okay, well, if I want to do this and I'm going to do what I can to, to get that. And then there's others that will be like, well, I, I can't seem to get to this point, but let me find like another way around it or let me go through a different direction and it pulls them forward. So um, I, I really do think like the blend between like a person's like personality then like mentality and also like, their understanding of what their belief of their physical capabilities are um, in combination will kind of like dictate where, where they end up going and, and, and how their performance will end up looking like, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And I feel like you really can't get too into your head when you're breaking either, right? You have to just go with it. I feel like I took one class a long time ago. This was probably in the late 90s, actually. And I remember the upper body strength that you needed was so important because you have to like, you know, I remember one move where I had to like put my elbows underneath, like right by my abdomen. And I had to like, you know, balance my body up. And I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) I have lower body strength and a lot of it, but upper body strength, no. (laughs) So Um, you know, I'd also love, I'd be curious to know how many, you guys said we have a lot of B girls out there too, right? How, if girls do want to get involved, um, are there people that they can look up to in in this realm? Like one of the, uh, I'm sponsored by a brand called Red Bull. Uh, so like, or I'm an ambassador of Red Bull because there's different like tiers to it, but there's a girl named Logistics and she's from San Diego, currently living in Florida. She just won the Red Bull BC one. She's like USA champion. And she's like, I think 18. She, she's won pretty much everything, anything in dance. She's, she's covered. And there's tons of women. Like one of the women that, uh, I look up to is a girl named Nairumi from Japan. She's, I believe probably 40 this year, but she came to Sacramento, I think back in 2004 and she just put a hurting on all of us down here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we learn, you know, different types of movements because Nairumi barely could speak English and she just wanted, you know, to come through and kind of learn our interpretation of dance. And we wanted to, you know, work with her, learn her, you know, ter- interpretation of dance as well. And it, it helped us. And we saw that there were different levels. And some of the Japanese B-girls are some of the best B-girls in the world. The USA has an ensemble of good B-girls as well. Um, one of my favorites is a girl named Sunny Choi. She's from uh, New York. Um, she also is like going to be one of the B girl, you know, athletes trying to be one of the, the picks for the Olympics to represent the United States. But they're, they're tons of B girls and they're really, really good. And, uh, their approach to dance is way different than us guys, but it definitely is very interesting, if not better, because they, you know, they put their moves and flow together better than most of us guys. <laughs> most of us are not that thoughtful or mindful. So forecasting the gold medal competition in 2024, sounds like the U.S., Japan, uh, well, other countries have a really strong uh, breaking um, presence. So uh, the we just got back from Paris in December. Uh, December 4th, I believe, was the event. Um, the USA came in number one. My friend uh, Victor, he placed number one. I think second place was a guy named Phil Wizard from Canada. And then third place was Russia. Um, so, but it varies. Like right now, I believe the best two countries is the USA and Japan. Those are always the hardest ones to beat. Russia is all, it's all, Russia's always looming around there, but it's normally those top three that you have to really, really be aware of. Korea was on top for a long time, but I think Korea dominates more of the, uh, the crew battles, more of the team battles. Right. Okay. So what would you say as far as the effects of like the TV shows, the TV competitions, World of Dance, which I think you've been on, um, So You Thinking Dance also has represented uh, the breaking community as well. Um, so there's been a lot of debate about how um, beneficial the shows have been. Obviously, it's been fueling a lot of popularity, but it's also led to some negative trends in the dance world. So in breaking, um, how do you see the effects of those shows on breaking itself? Um, so World of Dance and uh, I guess you would say So You Think You Can Dance and then America's Best Dance Crew because those were like the, the biggest shows. I think they did a, a good job of kind of just getting, um, 
you know, the exposure of that this dance is still going in the United States. Because in the United States, we don't get represented almost at all, like in other countries. In other countries, I'm, you know, we're known as like uh, dance is more like a sport over there. It's always has been. The United States is like if it's not on TV, they don't really mess with it, really and truly, you know. So I, I would say it was more of an asset for us to have these shows to give us a platform and other dance celebrities to open more doors. I mean, could they have done a better job of explaining what breaking is and giving it a little bit more uh, respect, you know, because uh, of how demanding it is on the body? Yes, of course. But um, ultimately, I feel like any type of platform that will rise dancers up to a higher level, because any, any dancer will tell you it's this is very taxing on the body, especially like let's just say like uh, ballerinas, their feet go through tremendous trauma and stress to do the movements that they do. And not every ballerina is going to get hired or booked for a show or have a career in teaching. And um, not saying not all of them want to, but the amount of hours that we put in just to get the, the basics uh, should hopefully, you know, have uh, a platform to where we can rise to these levels. When other, you know, aspects, like if I was a movie critic, I could put in the amount of hours and probably get a higher notoriety. So, like, that's why I'm saying I, I respect the shows because they, they gave people more opportunity to push dancers to a higher level. Mm -hmm. Just bring more awareness to the dance as well. I mean, I feel like we need way more of that. Um, okay. And, you know, how, how does the average person support breaking? Like, how do we, like, you know, I know we talked a lot about ways to support breaking financially, I think, earlier on in the podcast, but... What else can we do? Like, what can we share on our social media channels? Like, how do we increase awareness and, and just, you know, increase the noise around breaking? Okay. So the first thing, like right now, the biggest thing in breaking is making sure, you know, this stays an Olympic sport. Mm -hmm. So the first trial run for the adults will be in 2024, which is Paris. Then the next one will be in 2028, which is in LA. So of course we wanted to go and have an LA. So I think step number one is everybody to support watch um if you want to be involved go to usa dance you know become a member you know you could be you know uh just a supporter they you can you know join that way and uh just like understand that i think the perception of it back in the 80s was that you know these are just kids dancing on cardboard and that kind of translate to like you know people without goals dreams or anything you know just nothing of that manner. So like now I, I would believe the best way to support is like actually get into it, you know, like find out what it's really about, find out, you know, like you know, the discipline it takes, uh, the sacrifices, certain, you know, things that we make, you know, for, you know, the sport and to look at it as being more professional. I think that would be the best way. And, uh, financially, uh, right now companies are already jumping in, you know, like Red Bull has been a, a big, like, uh, major sponsor for the last 10 years going on um, probably more like 12 years but predominantly 10 years they've been pushing the dance further and further monster just jumped into the game nike just sponsored yeah, i believe they have two now uh breaking athletes uh a guy in the uk and a girl in germany um so the companies are coming in but the more attention to you know the professionalism and the the discipline it takes to do this uh, the better it will be for all dancers, 
because we're kind of leading the way of like, okay, this is, you know, the next step. And I believe that's the best way to support, you know, like, cause I, I know one of the things I ran into as a youth was when everybody was asking me, what do I do for a living? I tell them I'm, I'm, you know, a break dancer. You get the chuckle. <laughs> What's that? You know? And then you let them know, okay, well that means I compete in elite level competitions. I'm also mm-hmm. a performing artist. I do theater mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. I performed in movies. Then they're like, Oh, you're an entertainer. <laughs> you know <laughs> so i mean but it, it's cool i mean it, it's definitely a uh you know a, a colorful story to have but uh just making sure that you know um people know that there's a future and i think when i teach this is why i try to tell everybody the professionalism means something to me because you don't want to teach some somebody something and just oh no it's not gonna go anywhere this is just a passion project because put 10 years into anything you you want to you know hopefully see the fruits of that investment and hopefully it should lead to you know a, a bigger step and a way to help people and be fulfilling and also be able to have a career within that so aaron and tj talking about you know supporting the dancers um so what's like what kind of injuries are you seeing that are like the most challenging for you to take care of like what's the challenge for you as far as caring for dancers getting them back on the floor that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think the most difficult, I guess, like injuries per se, are probably uh, the ones that the breakers don't tell us about. <laughs> um, no, no shots fired. No shots fired, Morris. <laughs> um, no, but uh, like, honestly, it, it's. Uh, and, and we kind of alluded to this earlier in the podcast too, it's just um, our presence and, and working with them. It, it's like, a, you know, it's almost akin to like, we have professional athletes in this sport, but they went through a different system than these traditional athletes have gone through. You know, traditional athletes will, you know, maybe have an athletic trainer in high school maybe go see the primary care doctor at some point in their, in their life or like, you know, their physicals and then college, you have access to, you know, sports medicine suites and other services. And then you have like a pro to semi-pro infrastructure developed. And, you know, when we got into this, we're like, well, we're like, shoot, like we have to somehow build this infrastructure and understand that, you know, what level and what level of understanding and what level of need um, these breakers will need. And some of them, you know, it, with the types of injuries we're seeing, we're seeing all types of injuries. It's not just isolated to the upper extremity, you know, lower extremity is still very common injuries, ankle sprains, um, uh, bumps, bruises, a lot of back pain, I would say, um, just because of the rotation required and the mobility and flexibility required for the sport. Um, and you know i mean we've had we've seen breakers with like fractures as well and they still show up (laughs) to jams and crews and find a way to work around it or um and then also the mental health piece as well especially as you get higher and higher up in the level um you know uh, there's a lot of like complex dynamics that are that have when you know you may or may not even have an injury 
you know, I'm talking in terms of like, uh, Morris mentioned Cruz earlier. Um, and, and TJ knows this as well. Um, you know, the type of crew members that you have on your team, um, can either push you one way or push you another way. Um, oh, yeah. and some of them are, you know, the breakers, the guy, the B-boy mentality of like, I'm going to be tough. Um, you know, if I'm hurt, I'm not going to show it. And if I am like, I'll just deal with it later. You know, what's matter right now is like the rep reputation on the line or, um, you know, how I'm going to show out and, and establish, uh, my, my name. Um, we're seeing less and less of that now. I think, you know, when TJ and I got started, we, we did start off in the, on the collegiate breaking side of things. So, you know, those types of things, we're just introducing people to like foam rollers and soft tissue. And, uh, you know, it's very basic. Um, and, and that's why we tell a lot of our volunteers that, you know, it, you don't have to be a dancer. You don't have to be a breaker to make an impact in this sport. If you have knowledge and you have the time just to like be personable and, and, and get to know people, like you can make, you can make an impact wherever you want. Um, we just happen to be, uh, you know, coordinating all this. And, um, you know, as we've gotten to work with higher and higher level, uh, B-boys like we change those needs to meet their demands. You know, a lot of them come with like chronic injuries as well. There's things that never got rehab properly, um, from knees to hyperextended elbows to rotator cuff tears. Um, and we hear stories of like, you know, I went to PT, I went to my doc and uh, they said, you probably won't be able to do this again. And you tell that to a B-boy, they're like, no, you're whack. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go find some, I'm going right. to go find somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but some of them actually do find good people to work with and, and they get them started, but it's always like, what's that next step? Um, and we see this in, in traditional athletics and sports medicine too. athletes looking to just like tighten up, um, that return to sport training and actual training. And I mean, between TJ and I, we, we do our best, um, to help accommodate that and, and, and really tackle like a full spectrum. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's always limited to people's time and expertise. Um, so that's why we, we are always big on trying to build a community and network of support so that wherever these, you know, artists, athletes go, um, there's somebody in our network that understands them, can support them. And, and I mean, ultimately really not take advantage of them. Um, it's, we're in this like special spot where, you know, there is that big media turnaround. There is going to be a lot of money put into the sport. Um, and, and then the day it's, it, it should be, it should be about them. It should be about more. It should be them about their journey. Um, and we're, we're just trying to build what already exists for other teams in sports. Now it should be about all of us because, uh, and I'll jump in as an athlete. Um, you guys are important because you're keeping us in the game. And any athletes gonna tell you like they we need to stay in the game, you know. And um, TJ, you were a huge help with the Orlando win, you know. So like I was getting into my head, and you got me focused. So like I I think it's us communicating properly. And uh, as Aaron said, they're they're creating this. There is no structure. Like they're building the structure, mm-hmm. but 
let's just say three years ago, there was no structure. The most you were getting at events was like maybe a masseuse. And hmm. the whole event is lining up for the masseuse at the event. Right. And this is rare, you know, like, cause it's like, oh, we got a masseuse here. And this happens like once in USA every two years. Overseas, it'll be at like every event because they know they have internationals and there's certain guidelines they have to follow. And um, and just to touch base on what Aaron said about like injuries, yeah, most of the dynamic moves they do, you know, require that bit of uh, sacrifice to your body. But it's also like artistry, you know, like once you you go and accomplish that movement, it's a euphoria you feel. But you also learn how to your body kind of adapts to it and what they're doing is helping us recover so that this movement won't take us out of the game for the guys who are pushing that limit. But there are also, I don't want to also scare people away. Um, there are dancers who don't push those type of limits and who are very successful. We're just very, you know, rhythmically above average and that's huge in all forms of dance and flavorful. But According to like, you know, Offset Men, what they've done, they've worked on the best of the best dancers and some of the worst of the worst dancers. And the injuries, they vary because some of the worst dancers, they just kill themselves, <laughs> you know, and I've seen them work on them. And some of the best dancers, we kill ourselves because we're trying to push to the next level. So like they're needed. And most events, like I would say, like even at Freestyle Sessions, which was the last event, they don't even get to enjoy the event because it's so many people going to see them. You know, they're like, oh, well, I just did a round. I don't feel right. I don't know what's wrong. Well, you know, but it's like and they have to go through a whole process. And that's why I'm saying uh, dancers are sometimes not the best communicators. And that's what they were saying about us, not telling us, telling them about the injuries and things like that. And this is me speaking in, in a general, but it is getting better because everybody's learning that this is a professional sport now. Take it. Um, we're all trying to make sure we're making the right steps to can to keep this going. Before it was like, okay, there's events. We are getting, you know, sponsors, but now it's open to everybody. And we're getting the second time of the media splash. So like everybody's trying to take the proper steps to make sure, you know, everybody's getting respected. I believe in the eighties and this is what, uh, contrary to what people say in the eighties, a lot of those dancers made a lot of money, but they didn't, you know, like build a infrastructure to keep this going and went right back to the grassroots side where, okay, I got to, you know, fund my whole event. You know, I got to fund my, my, my own insurance and most event don't have insurance and then when the 90s and 2000s came in then a whole generation of good promoters start coming in and taking care of us that way because i believe you guys worked with uh cross one right with freestyle session and they i know cross and, and freestyle session is one of the biggest events in the world it's in uh the los angeles area it happens every year so if you guys ever go to i believe it's at a place called the boom and um yeah, if you guys have a chance, if you guys are in Soul Foul, you guys, you guys should check it out. But um, that is one of the events that we're looking to start taking care of the dancers and make sure they're taking the proper steps and getting more aware of like what we're demanding to as a community. And Offset Med's a part of that by saying, mm -hmm. hey, the dancers need this. And if you want a great product, because even though like you know it's the bringing community, that person is still offering um, a product. And they were like, and if you want to, which is the show, if you want a good show, your dancers are going to need to be in shape and 
healthy. And that's what Offset Med did. They gave dancers the attention they needed. And some of them need more attention because they've never received it at all. And they don't even know that they need the attention. They're just used to living with the injury. Personal friend of mine, he can't look over his left shoulder. And I'm like, why do you not go to the chiropractor? Why do you not stretch before you dance? He's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm like, uh, no, you're not, bro. <laughs> so it's like, you should be able to do this, you know, and without pain or having to turn. Right. So, and I know his injury came from football when he was younger. Mm. He just didn't want to go get it fixed. And I'm just like, okay, and you're breaking. You still can't do this. But, you know, I, and I remember when I first met TJ, just to kind of bring it a loop. Uh, I was always trying to get TJ to meet with these people so he could talk to them because once you meet TJ, that's the first step of learning. Like, hey, it's not going to be a crazy ordeal. Just you have to be open and willing. And these guys are like amazing because they make you feel comfortable. But yes, I'll leave it at that. So TJ and Aaron, um, when it comes to Offset Med, how can people find your your group and how can they get involved with your group and what resources do you guys offer to the community right now go for it oh all right I'll take, <laughs> take it too <laughs> um yeah the best way to kind of see what we're we're up to is probably our website www.offsetmed.com we actually just revamped it for this uh new year um, you'll find that we have a separate page for uh, for coaches and therapists and, and uh, health practitioners. And we have another separate page for if you're a, an artist or an athlete um, or a dancer. Um, we during pandemic year, we like ran a whole like virtual series of um, you know breaking down offset med and what we do. Uh, the people in our communities and our circles um, and did like a whole like speaker series. And uh, we had spent last year revamping that and we turned it to uh, a new online course. So I have not done any marketing for this. Um, this will be kind of, I guess the first, <laughs> the first announcement on your guys's podcast. So um, it is up and available for those who are interested in learning more about, you know, what we do with hip hop dancers with street dancers and the infrastructure model we're trying to build out for them uh so that'll be available as well in terms of just kind of like you know maybe you're not quite there yet and you just want to know what we're doing um we're predominantly on instagram um offset.med on instagram um and we, we do our best to, to post. I'm not, I'm not particularly great at it uh, as, as we've gotten busier. Um, but a lot of the updates, announcements, um, and stories of, you know, the breakers we're working with, the comps we'll be at is going to be highlighted on that social media page. Um, am I missing anything else, TJ? Mm-hmm. No, I think... And if you guys wanted to ever volunteer, just just reach out to us if you see that they're that's on our page. Because <clears throat> we're always looking for people to grow up within our network. It's just open to all, from healthcare people to just people interested in it. So, yeah, just reach out to us. I think that's the easiest way throughout through our website or Instagram. 
Awesome. So one more question I have for you, uh, Morris, because I wanted to always find out about the, you know, like what the true, uh, you know, this myth or reality. But whenever you see battles and you see like people in each other's faces and the aggression and like the one-on-one mano-a-mano stuff. So how much of that is theatrical for the crowd? How much is that really animus amongst the community or different comp- competitors? Is it like all good afterwards or like, how does that all go down? <laughs> Oh, you talk to the right guy on this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So most of the time, um, like if you're professional, you know, it's a part of like the sport, you know, but sometimes it leaks over. I would say in the nineties would probably would have been like the roughest times because people, there wasn't so much money involved. So it was more about pride and you know how young male testosterone, Mm -hmm. the people wild out a little bit more. But, uh, and in, in the two thousands, I had a rival, like me and him were going at it. I mean, he threw a shoe at me, you know, I was flipping <laughs> over him, all kinds of stuff. You know, we were just, you know, really putting our emotions on the dance floor. But uh, as of recent, it, it's mostly we we leave it all on the dance floor. But there are rivalries. Like right now, it's a huge brand rivalry where it's like Red Bull versus Monster. Mm-hmm. And uh, my actual team, which is crazy, we're kind of like changing that because some of our dancers are Red Bull, some of our dancers are Monster. So like we're the one of the only teams with, you know, multiple sponsored guys, but, uh, yeah, it can get heated in the battles. I think the one we had in, uh, November got a little hectic, you know, and that was cause of me, but, um, <laughs> but it's all good. I love the, I love the guys over there, right. you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there is like real rivalries and, um, yeah, you know, like when you put so much uh, time in, into anything and, you know, you have somebody trying to, the way I look at it, you, somebody trying to stand in front of your dream or your goal, you're going to give it 110. But afterwards, when everything's all said and done, you want to make, we all know we're after the same thing. So essentially we're the same team. Awesome. Yeah. Because I love to be here with the other countries. I love it. So I'm just going to reference it for your your listeners. Freestyle session. 2021 rock force crew versus breaking mia (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah well i mean they can pull up any battle of mine you know i try to mix it up a little bit just don't read the comments (laughs) 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 but yeah anything else to add for anybody anything else you want to talk about briefly before we go I think Yassi is Yassi's next step here. She's already covering everything else. <laughs> I need to go to offset med and get my arm strength. Yeah. <laughs> I tried doing kips in the eighties and I concussed myself and my mom said, don't you ever do that again. So I've been <laughs> watching ever since. Oh, wow. I feel bad. I feel better then. All right. <laughs> Oh my God. So, well, Hey, uh, Morris, TJ, Aaron, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This was extremely exciting and informative and uh, we can't wait to cheer for you in the Olympics and, and in the future competitions. Um, you guys are really inspirational and what, you know, being with you as you are building this community from the ground up, it's really tremendous to see. So thank you for sharing your time with us. Thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you. It's been it's been fun, guys. Thank you. And thank you again, Yasi. Another great show. Of course, thank you. Remember, if you like what you hear on the show, please click subscribe and you'll get this podcast delivered to you every time we have a new episode. For Yasi Ansari, this is Stephen Karaginas, and this has been the Athletes in the Arts Podcast. Mm-hmm.